are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on March 16th of 2021. Uh, you know, spring training is full on in effect. Uh, we've been starting to get the injury bug a little bit. Uh, we finally had... You know, probably the, one of the last major, or not major, but one of the last decent free agent signings. Um, we had a historic at-bat this week. Um, and then kind of go over our ups and downs again, kind of update you on some of the guys we talked about last week. Um, and bring you a couple names that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, but before we jump into all that, let me bring my co-host in. And how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. Uh, my birthday was yesterday, so I'm celebrating that. And uh, been a been a good week so far. Uh you sound really good. You sound clear. What's, yeah, what's got, going on there? I got a, a new little setup for the podcast, so I got a new uh, little standing mic and a little headset. So if I have a little bit of audio issues and I sound a little bit weird or you guys hear a little stuff in the background, uh, sorry about that. Still trying to work it all out. This is the first actual podcast I'm doing on this. So hopefully it's a lot better. Hopefully it improves our at least my quality on my end because uh, I've been having some mic issues before. So. Yeah, the quality sounds great on it so far, so I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be nice for you. I hope so. I really do. Um, well, we'll just go ahead and jump right into this. Um, we're gonna start with kind of the the injuries. This stuff always seems to happen. Um, you know, right around this area in spring training, you're gonna start hearing about guys who are, you know, might start the season on the IL. It's kind of in limbo. I mean, just as of right now, we're a little over two weeks away from opening day. Um, so opening days, two weeks or three weeks from this Thursday. Um, so, uh, our first one we have is uh, Shogo Akiyama from the Reds. He was, in, uh, came over last year from one of the Korean leagues. Uh, he's likely to start the season on the injured list with a left hamstring injury. Yeah. Uh, you know, tough deal for the Reds there. He's a pretty good player and, you know, they were going to be counting on him for a starter, but um, hamstring injury, you know, uh, I actually pulled my hamstring on Saturday. It's not the most fun thing ever, but, um, you know, you look at, that's not a horrible, horrible injury. I'm sure he'll be back in a few weeks and, you know, maybe take him a week or two after that to get back to full strength. But I think he'll be, I think he'll be fine. So not devastating, but it does suck for the Reds to have one of their starters miss the beginning of the season. So. Well, yeah, and speaking of another red starter, um, this one's probably going to hurt a little bit more if he does have to miss time. That's Sonny Gray. Um, he's likely to begin the season on the IL as well due to back spasms that he's been dealing with recently. Yeah, it sounded like it would probably just be about a week for Sonny Gray. Uh, he, he wouldn't be ready for the first week, and they weren't 100% sure, but I think it's pretty likely he misses that first week, maybe a couple. Um, you know, back spasms, I know we've you see a lot of pitchers deal with that, veteran pitchers. Um, you know, Clayton Kershaw comes to mind as a guy who's dealt with black back spasms in the past. And, uh, you know, he hopes Sonny Gray's ready to go. I mean, he's one of the big, big hitters in that uh, rotate. Well, big pitchers in that rotation. Um, him and uh, with, with Castillo and, uh, you know, it, it stinks. The Reds get bit by the injury bug already. And, uh, you know, you hate to see that for a team that has some potential with that rotation, but, you know, doesn't have a ton of depth. Um, it kind of stinks. Uh but uh, looking through uh, staying in the National League Central here, um, this one's I, because of the name. I, I went ahead and wanted to talk about it, but it, it shouldn't be a big deal. Uh, he should be, uh, he should be, he shouldn't miss much much time. But Christian Yelich actually got scratched from the lineup uh, with back tightness. Um, I think 
yesterday. They gave him. They were going to give him a couple days off. I, I think he's probably going to be fine. But when you talk about a name like Christian Yelich, an MVP, and, and a guy who's been an MVP candidate the last three or four years, um, you talk about him being scratched from lineup and back tightness. One of the best players in the game. You know, it's something to definitely to monitor. So. Uh, yeah, especially especially since the way he struggled last year, um, he said that the ramp up in, in the spring training, he didn't he, last year. He never got comfortable at the plate. So, you know, if this hampers him too much, maybe it goes into a fact where he still doesn't feel as comfortable. I mean, obviously, we have a, a longer season this year, so he can get kind of get back into the swing more naturally. But it's something to keep an eye on because, like he, he said himself, spring training is he's a creature of habit, and uh, if he misses some time with that, it might might get him off to a slow start to the season at least. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another guy to look at uh, real quick. Um, this is actually some good news. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, after he had been shut down for a couple weeks, um, he came back and threw an 18-pitch bullpen the other day. So that's good news. You hope that he's able to be healthy, especially with all the issues, not just injury-wise, but you know health-wise that he's dealt with. You'd love to see him come out and have a good season this year. And, uh, you know, hopefully that – 18 pitch bullpen he threw is going to be a step in the right direction yeah according to carrasco he said that he should be ready for opening day um manager luis rojas kind of slow played that a little bit said that they're going to be cautious with him um but he wouldn't dismiss that carrasco could be ready for opening day um so i'm not sure if that means ready for opening day as a as a potential bullpen arm to start with um or if they're thinking of you know actually he's going to be up to a decent pitch count to maybe where he can pitch two or three innings to start and then kind of do a, like an opener type strategy with him maybe um, and throw it to that bullpen, which they, they upgraded quite a bit this off season. Yeah, for sure. And, and I would hope that with his injury history and uh, health history that they would slow him, slow play him just a little bit, trying to get him back into, back into shape instead of just throwing him out there. Cause he's a veteran pitcher. And the last thing you want to do is throw a veteran pitcher out there that, isn't ready and uh, you know get him injured again so hopefully he's able to recover 100 percent get be ready for the season yeah i mean we got to see cookie back out on the, the mound especially after everything he's dealt with with battling the cancer and everything and he's always dealt with a little bit of arm issues so hopefully this he can get out there and uh this isn't a big deal at all yeah um but another one we did have was it's going to be a big blow to the New York Yankees bullpen, um, and that's Zach Britton. He had those elbow chips in his uh, he had chips in his elbow. I think we we had talked about that a little bit last week, but he ended up having surgery, and it looks like it's going to take him out until the middle of the season. Yeah, the the report is that he would be out till at least June. Uh, so that's thanks for the Yankees and uh, Zach Britton, a guy who uh, obviously the Yankees bullpen is deep enough to where probably just losing Zach Britton doesn't kill that that bullpen. I mean, they've still got some really good guys back there. Uh, Rollis Chapman and uh, Chad Green and um, some of those other guys come to mind. But, uh, you know, you hate to lose a guy like Zach Britton and, um, you know, to a, a, an elbow injuries, even even if it's, you know, just bone chips or whatever, uh, you know, they could be a little bit they could be a little bit difficult for pitchers. Uh, you know, luckily, this is not a type of elbow surgery that you're super worried about but uh you know that's a big pretty good big blow um out till june and uh you know someone will have to step up in that bullpen to replace him so yeah and another yankee um that we're gonna be talking about another yankee pitcher that's luis severino um he's recovering from the tommy john surgery still i think he's up to throwing two bullpens a week i believe you said yes um and then the yankees bullpen 
coach and, and manager have been saying that they he seemed comfortable and aggressive so far and that he looks really comfortable up there. But as of right now, he's only throwing fastballs. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that would make me believe that he's going to be out at least a couple months uh, into the season if he's just throwing fastballs the you know, this close to the season starting. I mean, I don't know what exactly what his timetable is, but, uh, you know, you, you'd like to see a talent like Luis Severino get back out there pretty early, and, you know, he hopefully he'll be able to. He's a guy who, you know, when he was owned and he was healthy, he was pretty dominant. Uh, if you can bring back that Luis Severino and throw him in that rotation with Garrett Cole, um, you know, and some of the other guys that they have with potential that are in the rotation, you know, you could end up seeing a – that could be a really tough one too to to face. Well, and sure. and, uh, and Corey Kluber. Oh yeah, I mean that, him being one of the guys with potential. You know, it, I don't know how Corey Kluber will do coming off of his you know injuries and stuff. But uh, Corey Kluber, you got a lot of people are high on Jordan Montgomery to have a little bit of a breakout year too. And you know if they're able to get that resolved, uh, you know a, a number three starter, you could have a really tough one two three if Luis Severino comes back healthy and, mm-hmm. and ready to go. So. Um, good good news there for the Yankees that he seems to be progressing. Uh, but we do have some more bad news for the Yankees as well. And uh, Robinson Chirinos, uh, he actually fractured his wrist uh, this week, and he's going to miss four to six weeks. He had to have surgery on it. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who had, had a, been having a pretty good spring. It looked like he was going to make the team. Uh, you know, him and – honestly, you know, he's a little bit similar to Gary Sanchez. Maybe not quite the same raw power, but, you know, kind of a similar profile and – um, you know, he's a guy who probably would have played a pretty good bit. So, um, you know, even though he was on a minor league contract, so it stinks to see him out four to six weeks. Yeah, it just seems like now it's a foregone conclusion that Kyle uh, Higashioka is going to make the team as the backup yeah. again. Uh, and that Gary Sanchez will, I mean, as, the way he's looked this spring, will regain that starting catching role. Um, you know, but Torino's, like you said, he's a guy like Dex Sanchez. It hits for a lot of power, not great average. Um you know, and he did sign that minor league deal that included that invitation to spring training. So we'll see if, if you know, with the minor league camp starting up a little later, maybe he goes over there and can still be on the alternate site um, and be a backup option for them at least once he gets healthy. Uh, so we'll have to be, you know, keep keep an eye on, on what's happening with Chirinos. Um, but we'll go ahead and jump to one of our other catching. Uh, that's a, a little bit on the good side again is, is Sean Murphy, the Oakland A's catcher. Uh, he's making his return to spring training from a collapsed lung. Uh, it does look like he should be ready for opening day, though. Yeah, he's, this is going to be his debut in the Cactus League this week, and uh, it's good news. Obviously, with a couple weeks left for a hitter, you know, if he's able to get out there a pretty good bit, uh, you know, he's he should be able to to be ready. I'm assuming he's been doing a lot of baseball activities, uh, you know, but you don't want to risk getting hit by pitch or anything with the you know a collapsed lung and. So I'm, I'm glad that he's uh, looking like he's going to be healthy for the start of the season because he's a really talented guy and a young guy who the A's are counting on this year uh, to step up and be one of their you know star players with the loss of Marcus Simeon. A um, couple more guys, uh, a couple flame-throwing pitchers that have had issues. One, um, an up-and-comer, and one, you know, one of the aces of the game. Uh, first one is Nate Pearson, uh, you know, young guy, the Blue Jays uh, prospect. Uh, he actually ag- aggravated a groin, groin injury. Uh, it sounded like it was a mild aggravation, but still, nonetheless, uh, not a great sign this close to opening day to ag- aggravate an injury like that. You hope it doesn't linger more. And, uh, 
you know, I don't know what his status is. They, they haven't really said if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. You know, he might have started in AAA regardless, but, uh, you know, keep working through some things. But I think he's, uh, you know, it sounds like that's not the best sign for him making the team and being in that rotation to start the season. So a uh, little bit of a tough deal there. And then the other guy uh, we'll talk a pretty good bit about, I guess, is uh, Steven Strasburg. Um, he actually got pulled from his start the other day with a calf injury. And um, he he has been able to throw off a flat ground since then, said it felt okay. Um, they, I don't know if they expect him to miss a lot of time, but uh, certainly not good uh, news for a guy who's definitely not been the most durable pitcher in his career. Yeah, it doesn't look or sound like they expect him to miss too much time um, with this. He... He's looked decent through his two spring training games he's had. You know, four innings, eight strikeouts, hasn't given up a run. Um, so hopefully this is just a minor setback for Steven Strasburg and that he can get back into that uh, that Nationals rotation for opening day. Um, you know, slot him right in behind Max Scherzer and right in front of Patrick Corbin. That's a, you know, very formidable top three in a, in a rotation in the major leagues. So hopefully Strasburg's back. I mean, he's one of the more fun pitchers to watch in the game when he's on. Yes, he's a very good pitcher, and uh, you know everyone's always talked about if he was ever able to stay healthy, then he'd be, you know, one of the best pitchers in the game, and, and that's been true when, whenever he's been healthy. But um, you know, last year missed a lot of time. You know, obviously 2019 was healthy, and they won the World Series. So it just goes yeah. to show you how important he is to that team, and how healthy Steven Strasburg is. Of, um, you know, uh, really a centerpiece for the Washington Nationals franchise. And, you know, with Scherzer, obviously Scherzer's been incredible this spring so far, but with his age, you know, you might start to think about uh, pretty soon Strasburg taking over as the true ace of that staff, whereas Scherzer's kind of been that guy the last several years, although both of them are really probably number ones for most teams. So uh, Scherzer, obviously, for just about every team, and Strasburg being right right along with him. So um, good. hopefully we'll see Strasburg back uh you know, fully healthy here soon. Yeah. And uh, just an, a little update on a guy we mentioned last week, and that was Felix Hernandez. Um, it does sound like he's having some right elbow discomfort. Um, he exited a game early. They said his velocity looked the same and he was still getting outs. He struck out two in the one inning he did pitch, um, but his body language was just different. He just didn't look like Felix Hernandez had, has looked at least in the past couple spring trainings. Um, so it's going to be a sight to watch about what's going on with him. If it's just a little minor setback or if it's something that might take him out for a longer period of time. Yeah. And that's going to be really important because he's a guy who was uh, kind of on the cusp of whether or not he was going to make a rotation and obviously sign him with the Orioles. You would have expected him to pitch in the big leagues, but you know, if he's not healthy, you know, it could be it for him, you know, with the status of his career right now and him really needing to, you know, break camp with a team, um, you know, the way the last couple of years have gone, um, you know, I hate, hate it, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he, you know, that's something that's a little bit more on the precautionary side and, um, not, not too big of a deal, but, uh, you know, obviously we talked about last week he was throwing, I don't, I don't know if his velocity had changed before this start. Like if he had started throwing back up in the upper eighties, low nineties type thing. But, um, we had talked about last week that there were reports that his velocity had been somewhere in the mid mid eighties, uh, which is, you know, by might lead you to be a little bit more concerned about him having elbow discomfort if that was his velocity still. But um, you know, that'd be something that we'd have to check on. But uh 
hate to see Felix Hernandez not doing well. Um, I think everyone pulls pulling for him to have a really good bounce back season, but uh, we'll we'll see. So. Yeah, and, and just staying on the Orioles track right there, they're the team that actually signed our last decent free agent. Um, and that was Michael Franco, signed a one-year $900,000 deal. Yeah, Michael Franco, um, he actually was pretty good last year for the Orioles. I mean, for the uh, for the Kansas City Royals. Sorry, I got Royals, Orioles. <laughs> it's uh, it's getting tough to, to talk right there. But um, for the Kansas City Royals, he, uh, he had 1.3 wins above replacement last season. Um, you know, he's a guy who, who never strikes out that much, surprisingly, for someone that, you know, a lot of times people would think of a guy who low average type uh, who hits for some power to, to be a high strikeout guy. But he's only his, his career strikeout rates, 15.3 percent. But he doesn't strike out a ton. His issues are coming from his ability to hit the ball in the line and, and hit when he hits the ball in play, the, the amount of con- the quality of contact he makes he can hit home runs he hit eight last year in the 60 game season he's hit over 23 times in his career but um you know his batting average on balls and play has always been low and that's led to him having some low batting averages at the end of the day now this past year 106 wrc plus 2018 105 wrc plus guy who he can be an above average hitter at times um and obviously uh, you know a little bit of an inconsistent defender but but not bad he, he's been above average you know last couple of years so uh if they can figure out and Baltimore, he's obviously a good buy low. You know, if he plays really well, maybe you can flip him to a team that needs a third baseman at the at the deadline. Um, you know, he's he could still be a pretty good player. So um, I think it's a good signing for the Orioles. Good pickup, especially this late. Yeah, absolutely, isn't it? It sounds like he might even play a little first base. Maybe um, doesn't sound like Chris Davis is going to be ready for opening day. Um, so it's going to be something to to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but we'll go. That's kind of all the moves we kind of had happen with the injury front and all that. Um, but there was one at bat this this week that I really wanted to hit on. It was kind of a. Uh, it's pretty much amazing, and that was Jordan Hicks versus uh, Luis Guillerme. Um, Hicks. This was his first batter he's faced in two years. Um, last time he was on the mound was June twenty second of twenty nineteen. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery and then he opted out of last season. Um, this was a 12-minute at-bat that lasted 22 pitches. Um, six of those pitches were over 100 miles an hour, as you expect Jordan Hicks. He's a guy who throws over 100 miles an hour on basically over half of his pitches. Um, but the fascinating thing is it started with an 0-2 count, um, and then Guillerme ended up fouling off 16 of the 22 pitches um, and ended up working a walk out of it. So 12, 12 minutes, 22 pitches, and ended up work, it started with an 0-2 count and ended up working a walk out of that. Um, that's the, This would be the longest at-bat that has ever been tracked. Um, the longest at-bat that's actually going to count is in the regular season, and it was a 21-pitch at-bat between San Francisco Giants' Brandon Belt and um, Los Angeles Angels' uh, Jaime Berea. That at-bat ended up in a fly-out. Um, so this is a, an at-bat that ended up being something productive still outside of just running the pitcher's uh, pitch count up. And I thought it was pretty fascinating. Uh, I think I've watched the clip over and over about this at-bat. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, you look at a um, you know, guy like Jordan Hicks, and I, I think that shows a lot about Jordan Hicks' game to the fact that he's got that super good fastball, but – you know, if you can, and it's hard to square up because he's throwing so hard, and it's also got a lot of sink to it. 
but he doesn't really have a put away pitch to get a guy to swing and miss after you know other than his fastball, which obviously at a hundred well a hundred plus miles per hour is hard to hit. But uh, that's a, that's crazy. I mean, it, you would think by by accident against the guy throwing a hundred two, you would swing and miss once out of what he fouled off what sixteen pitches you said. Yeah, sixteen. Like yeah, I mean, you would think that he would have at, at least at some point you know swung and missed at one of them without fouling them all off, but uh. Or, or put one in play or something. So uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, everyone, all this talk about pace of play and stuff. A 12-minute at-bat might not be uh, – it might be Rob Manfred's kryptonite, but uh, I, I like it if it happens once in, a, once in a while. I think that's pretty that's pretty cool and um, so tough to do. I, I don't I don't understand how, how he was able to do that. I, I don't understand how these MLB players are able to hit a 103-mile-an-hour fastball anyways, but – um, the ability to foul off 16 in a row, make contact 16 times in a row on that is, whew, that's, that's well, tough. And and what makes it even more interesting is that 10 of the pitches were over, you know, not over, but right at 99 or 100 on the sinker. 10 of the pitches were then sliders and two of them were changeups. Yeah. So, I mean, he threw, I mean, 100 to, I think his slider usually averages right around 89, 90. Um, and then two changeups in on that as well. It's just fascinating how you can, you know, like you said, major league batters can hit 103 and foul it off and then lay off a 90 mile an hour slider that breaks five inches or something, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. And, uh, Hey, that's a good, you know, good for gear may to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, Jordan Hicks, I mean, it took him 22, 22 pitches to throw four balls. So that's a pretty good sign too. So, <laughs> Well, a couple of those balls were foul offs, but yeah, but still, uh, I mean, he, he got him to swing at him. So yeah. It um, count. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, next we wanted to kind of, you know, we kind of gave you guys some of the people that were kind of struggling or that were doing really good last week. Um, so we kind of wanted to update on kind of what those guys are doing. If some are still training up, some are kind of falling back down to earth a little bit. Um, and then throw a couple other names at you about guys that we are still doing good or and that we didn't mention last week or that it kind of popped off the page to us. Um, so first person we're going to start with is Jock Peterson again. Um, he's, his slash line still a 500 batting average, a 571 on base percentage, and a 1.028 slugging percentage. Yeah, uh, last week we had him down as having a 429 average and a 529 on base. And, you know, I would have bet anything that he wouldn't have been as good as that. And then he decided to just be better. And uh, he's up to 500 in the spring now. Like we said last week, Jock Peterson is a guy who's always been a little bit streaky. He's he's one of those all or nothing type hitters. Um, really a three, three true outcome type hitter. Walks a lot, strikes out a lot, and hits home runs. And, uh, well, I mean, he's hit five home runs, which is impressive, but, uh, you know, I think it's always a good sign if a guy, even, even though it is the spring and everything, it's a good sign if a guy's hit 500 at this point and, uh, you know, a 1.208 OPS, we've got guys listed on here as having good springs who their OPS is that, and that, you know, that's Jock Peterson's slugging percentage. So, um, that's just insane. Uh, but an, another guy who, who last week, you know, just an update on him, he, he's still been pretty good. But last week uh, we had Gary Sanchez as, as being one of the really good ones. Uh, you know, he's, his stock's fallen just a little bit this week. He he went down to his, his average down to 284, uh, 348 on base, 714 slugging still. You know, that's closer to what you would expect from Gary Sanchez. I would expect him, you know, to kind of hit somewhere in the 220s, 230s. 
you know, an okay walk rate, somewhere around the 320 on base percentage maybe, and then uh, a pretty high slugging. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's got crazy raw power. But, um, you know, Gary Sanchez falling back down to earth a little bit this week. Yeah, I mean, we all kind of saw that coming. Um, we knew Gary wasn't the type of hitter that he was showing early in spring training, but it was good to see, especially the way he had struggled last year. Um, but we, we expected those numbers to fall down a little bit. Um, and just like another guy that, that we expect his numbers to, to fall a little bit more, um, but that's Joey Gallo. He's still at a, a 333 batting average, a 425 on base, and a 1.222 slugging percentage. Yeah, and, and that's just, you know, that's still incredible. But, uh, you know, he has fallen off a little bit from last week. We talked about him having a 429 uh, average last week. He's down to you know, 333, which is uh, trending toward Joey Gallo, even though 333 would be – if he hits 333 this year, he'll win the MVP by a unanimous vote because yeah. of the amount of home runs he would hit. But he actually hadn't hit a home run since their last uh, we last talked uh, – so, um, you know, but still, I mean, anytime – and with all three of those guys, even though we, we were saying that Gallo hadn't been quite as good, Sanchez hadn't been quite as good this week, if you get a 284, 348, 714 season out of Gary Sanchez, you are going to be pretty dang happy with that. So, uh, And then Gallo, obviously his season, nobody's going to hit 333, 455, 1.222. Uh, but – you know, if you get anything, if you get a couple weeks from Gallo where he hits that, you'll be really happy. So um, that's uh, that's still they're still on the good side right now, and good stuff from them for sure. Yeah, another guy um, that we wanted to mention again was Madison Bumgarner. Um, he ended up having another start. Uh, he's up to nine strikeouts, zero walks, and six innings. Yeah, Madison Bumgarner, you know, the nine strikeouts really encouraging. He's always been a guy who is going to limit the walks. Um, you know, I gave him a couple runs this week. He, he doesn't have that zero ERA anymore. But, uh, you know, good stuff for Madison Bumgarner. Um, you know, if they are able to get a three ERA out of him with a really good strikeout-to-walk ratio this year, I think they're going to be pretty dang happy with that uh, it, over in Arizona. Um, another guy, uh, another pitcher that we talked about a little bit, um, you know, Corbin Burns hadn't really pitched much, but um, Damien's boy, uh, Trevor Bauer, had a pretty good week again. He's actually, I believe he leads the uh, spring training in innings pitched at 13.1. I believe so. Yep, and uh, he's got a 203 ERA, 16 strikeouts to five walks. So, you know, he's making a pretty good first impression there in the Dodgers uniform. So, um, you know, Trevor Bauer looking looking good so far. Um you know, obviously spring, and we'll see what happens in the season. But it's always a good thing if your guy is able to get out there and perform really well while still while building innings pretty quickly in the spring. Um, you know, he he's been able to. It looks like he's you know really in in season shape now. So um, that's a that's a good sign for him. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Just to, he pitched today, and he actually came out of the bullpen behind Kershaw. Um, so Kershaw pitched four innings, and then Bauer came out of the bullpen. I found that kind of weird, and he ended up pitching like three innings um, and struck out, I think, like six or something. But he looked really good. Um, another guy that's been looking really good um, at the plate, I mean, he we talked about him a little bit on the mound. He pitched again, uh, but that's Shohei Otani. Um, he wasn't as impressive on the mound the last time he came uh, pitched, you know, more with him, we're looking at what his stuff looks like and what his velocity instead of what the results are. Um, so his fastball did reach 99. His splitter was looking really good, but he did end up giving up five runs. 
Um, but where he's been, and he struck out four, but where he's really been excelling is at the plate. Um, this spring so far, Shohei Otani is batting 579 with a 571 on base and a 1.211 slugging percentage. And he has four home runs. He hit three of those um, in the past two days. And actually today he took the reigning AL Cy Young, Shane Bieber, like 470-something feet over the batter's eye in center field. Yeah, Otani's a guy who's crucial to the Angels' success, especially as a pitcher, as you know, that's the weak spot of their team. But really in both facets, he, he they need him to, to anchor that lineup to behind Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, give them some depth, give them another really good hitter. And, uh, you know, that's a really good sign for the Angels, who are one of my sleeper teams to, you know, Maybe I, I don't want to spoil any of my predictions, but, um, you know, I really like the Angels and I think that they've had some bad luck the last few years with, with some of their pitching and that, uh, you know, I'd like to see them. Uh, I think they're I think there's a pretty good chance they're able to break out a little bit this year. Um, but moving on, uh, we're growing from good to the bad and uh, some of the bad is now good. Uh, but the one of the guys who's still in the bad um, is uh, Matt Carpenter is struggling. Um, he actually, it's not saying much, but he actually has been better this week. Uh, he went from 0 for 13 to 1 for 20 now. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, not a great start for Matt Carpenter at all. Um, he does have five walks with only eight strikeouts, so maybe that's a good sign that he's not striking out. You know, he's still drawing some walks. Um, but it just doesn't seem like we're going to get anywhere near the Matt Carpenter that we expect to see. It's, it's kind of like he's fallen off a cliff now. I mean, at this point, maybe this is the Matt Carpenter we should expect. Um, but you know, you look back at the, I think, what was it like 2015, 2014 when he was really good. Um, and, and that's what you're, you're hoping he gets back to, but he just hasn't shown that the past couple seasons and this spring training is really not off to a better start for him. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, you know, he only struck out one time uh, in his last seven. So that's, you know, maybe there's some improvement there. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, spring, hopefully he turns it around. But we'll, we'll see. Um, one guy or two guys, the next two guys we have listed, uh, they've definitely turned it around. Because last week, Ronald Acuna Jr. was one for 14. This week, he has hit three times as many home runs as he had hits. So, um his uh, OPS is now up to 894, and uh, he has looked really, really, really good in the last week. So any worries that anybody would have had about him, which I don't really think too many people were worried about Ronald Acuna having a slow start in the spring, but uh, those can be a little bit uh, silenced here until the season. And uh, another good guy, Jorge, Jorge Soler, has had a good week. Yeah, I really talked about about Jorge Soler last week, and then he ended up just bumping his average. Um, it still doesn't look pretty, but he ended up bumping it quite a bit up to a two point or point two 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 average, um, three hundred on base. But his slugging uh, or his on base plus slugging is up to nine thirty. Uh, I believe he hit two of his three home runs this week, um, driven in five. Uh, I remember it was the day after we uploaded this podcast and I was watching the Royals game and he hit like this inside fastball, like 470 something feet. And I was like, he heard me talking about him on the podcast and he decided to just show me what, what I don't know what I'm talking about. So good for Jorge Soler. You know, uh, he's a guy who broke out a couple years ago and, and hopefully he can get back to that. Cause I know he really struggled, especially with that shortened uh, pandemic season last year. Yeah. And uh, another guy, um, you know, 
little bit better this week, but still not not great. But we're all pulling for him as a uh, Tommy fam. He uh he actually he, he was as of last week when we did the podcast he was 0 for 11. He's now up to uh four for 27. So he's four for his last 16. That's a 250 average on the week. So not not great there, but it's definitely an improvement. Uh, we're all pulling for him, hoping that he's able to return to a good form after uh, what happened in the off season. We talked about that a bit last week, but uh. You know, Tommy Pham maybe maybe showing some signs of life there, um, but uh, yeah. but yeah, he's you know, he's he's maybe 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 we're getting better. Hopefully he is. Um, but we'll jump to somebody who really isn't showing any signs of life, um, and that's Craig Kimbrell. Um, he's looked awful so far this spring. I believe he's only pitched in two and two thirds innings. Um, he has a th- a thirty point three eight ERA. Um, but what's really telling is he's not striking anybody out and he's allowing a 538 batting average against. And he's also got 3.38 walks and hits per innings pitched, which is not very good. Usually a, a really good uh, whip is about a 1.2 and he's at 3.38. Yeah, Kimbrell is a guy who, uh, you know, I'm. F- I hate to say it because I really like Kimbrell. He's from my home state, um, you know. He's he came up and was one of my favorite players with the Atlanta Braves. You know, I used to have a Kimbrel jersey, and you know, I've always pulled for him and everything. But man, he is not looking good. And you know, this is I know he had he had he showed flashes late in the season last year of maybe looking a little bit like his former self. But um, you know, it, with the Cubs, it's been a disaster. Um, you know, with the Red Sox, his his last year there was he was still he was still a decent closer but he wasn't anything like Craig Kimbrell has been in his career um you know it sucks to see him struggle like this and I mean you talk about Craig Kimbrell one of the strikeout masters of baseball what you know one of the highest strikeout rates of all time for his first few years in the league I mean it seemed like there was a better chance he'd strike out the side in the ninth inning than give up a hit um for a while there and you know one strikeout and you know, he's obviously given up a lot of, he's obviously pitched to a lot of hitters, even though he's only pitched in two and two thirds innings, they're just hitting the ball. So he's not getting through innings. Um, nine earned runs. I mean, that's a nightmare start. Hopefully he's able to figure out something mechanically. Hopefully it's, you know, something that he can work through, but man, that, that, you know, that stinks to see. And you hate to see that for Craig Kimbrell. So, yeah, you do. Um, one guy we wanted to mention a little bit was uh, Kwon Young Kim. We talked about how bad he had looked. Well, it looks like he's also been dealing with some back stiffness, um, so he hasn't pitched in another game uh, since we talked about him. Um, so just a little update on him. But Garrett Richards, um, he hasn't really looked much better. Uh, he's up to eight eight innings pitched now. He has nine walks and ten strikeouts. Um Given up seven hits. I think he. I think last time he still had given up six runs, so maybe he hasn't given up a run. But he's still not looking like he's on track to stop walking people. It's it's either a walk or strikeout. It seems like with him right now. Yeah, I mean he hadn't. I don't think he he might have been a little bit better the last week or so, uh, his last start. But I mean he, you know, he still hadn't been great. He's a guy who when I watched him, you know, I watched him twice on TV. He's one of the few that I've actually got a chance to watch a lot of and. Um, both times he just looked completely out of whack. So, um, you know, I don't know. Hopefully he's figuring some things out. And, and, and like I say, it, it was early spring then. It's still spring. 
you know, he's showing a little bit of signs of improvement. Maybe, you know, last week when we looked at it, he had walked, I believe, uh, he had walked six guys in four innings. So and he's only walked three in his last four innings. So that's definitely improvement. Um, you know, his ERAs come back down some. You know, hopefully you see Garrett Richards start to, you know, figure it out a little bit. And it looks like he might be figuring out some, but maybe not a ton. So, um, you know, hopefully he's hopefully that trend continues, but we'll see. So, yeah, hopefully get Rich get back. He was one of the the fun pitchers to watch when he was with the Angels. I like watching him a lot. Um, and then he's just battled with injuries, so hopefully he can get around and give the Red Sox some solid innings. But he, you know, his thing has always been command. Um, and obviously right now he's not showing that he has great command. So it'll be one something to watch for us at least. Um, but I know you yeah. had a couple other people you wanted to to kind of hit on. Yeah, well, the, the really the only other one that I want to talk about last week we talked about Carlos Martinez a little bit, and uh, he, um, you know, he's still kind of struggling. He hadn't been he's he hadn't been quite as bad maybe, but um, he's been about the same. His ERA is still over eight. Um, you know, six walks, six strikeouts. That's not a good ratio. Um, guy who I think the the Cardinals really need him to figure out his role again and you know get and be a little bit more consistent because there's been times where he's actually looked really good in the rotation for them and uh you know they've moved around they've changed roles they moved into the bullpen he's dealt with injuries a couple times uh but his big biggest problem he's dealt with is inconsistency he'll come out one one week and you know for for three or four weeks in a row look great and then he'll come out three or four weeks in a row and walk a ton of guys and look really really bad so um you know this is appears to be one of those stretches for him but we'll see maybe he'll figure something out before the season starts so yeah um another guy we wanted to mention just as a pitcher who's looked really fantastic so far this this spring training we forgot to mention him a little bit earlier was uh was jacob Degrom. uh he's up to nine innings pitched so far this spring 16 strikeouts and only one long um it's just ridiculous from Degrom. i mean he just keeps getting better and better and better and it seems like his velocity keeps coming up every year too like I think at one point they said one of his first pitches this year was 100 right off the bat. Uh, and I believe they said he's hit 101 or 102 so far this spring already. Yeah, I think they said 102. And I don't yeah. think I may, I don't remember him throwing 102 ever. So, uh, my goodness. I mean, Jacob DeGrom is already nasty. And, I mean, he, I mean, if he's throwing 102, I mean, it's just unfair. He doesn't walk guys. You know, he, he doesn't get – He's, he's super hard to square up. He's got a bunch of different pitches. It's not like he's just throwing a fastball slider and getting a lot of strikeouts, but it's also if you can guess one, you, hit, you can hit it real hard or something. He, I mean, he mixes things up. He's got three or four pitches. The guy is just an absolute dominant pitcher, the best pitcher in baseball right now. Um, you know, definitely the most dominant pitcher I believe we've seen since maybe Clayton Kershaw's most you know dominant years back in like 2013, 2014, 2015, and, and that time frame uh the guy is spectacular he's fun to watch he there's not much more you can say about jacob de grom um but um you know when you talk about jacob de grom you talk about a guy you expect him at this point even though he might still just be getting better <laughs> you expect him to be really good so i wanted to talk about uh you know while we we're at it a couple guys who one guy in particular that I've never even I'd never even heard of until I was looking through this, you know, the statistics today, and um, you know, but he's killing it. And in 23 plate appearances, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I believe it's Akil Badu. 
He's a Detroit Tigers outfielder prospect. He's actually their number 27 prospect. But this spring, he's been playing like a number one prospect. He's hit 391 with a 548 on base and an 870 slugging percentage for the Tigers, which is absolutely insane. I, I'm bewildered as to where this guy came from. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe he puts that up in the, you know, I, he seems to be playing himself into a roster spot. I mean, I don't know if he'll be able to, but, um, you know, he was in high A last year in 2019. So uh, you never know what might have happened in the instructional leagues and, and the uh, alternate sites last year. Um, he was with the Twins last year or, or in his minor league career. So uh, very interesting to see a guy that this guy, you know, play like this. And for a team like the Tigers, if you get a young guy who's on fire, why not put him in the big leagues and see what he can do, you know? Yeah, and like you said, he's 391, 548 on base, 870 uh, slugging. But even on top of that, he has seven strikeouts and eight walks. So he's even walking more than he's struck out. Um, and from a prospect, that's really, really good, especially, you know, in spring training where he's probably seeing some more major league type pitchers. So that's really, really fascinating. I mean, two, two doubles, three home runs for him. I mean, like you said, he's a guy who, when you mentioned his name today, I was like, who? Um, and then you kind of, you know, dug into the stats and what he's been doing so far. So still really young too, age 22. Um, so it could be something that, you know, the Tigers have found something here. I think, I think I saw that he spent three years or four years in the minor leagues of the twins. So he might've been a, yes. a guy who came right out of high school. Um, looks like he was the 74th overall yeah. pick um, back in 2016. So yeah, very, very interesting to see. And um, you know, he's got a pretty good, you know, if you look at his, his prospect scouting reports, he, he's got a pretty good power speed combo um, athletic guy. It, it seems like, and uh, you know, he, they've had him listed as a 40 hit tool and if he strikes out less than he walks and he hits 391 i think that's not a 30 hit tool guy so <laughs> um, we'll see if he's able to keep that up to any stretch it's only 23 plate appearances but definitely a, a fun thing to watch uh, sometimes these spring training um these spring training guys like like him or you know pop out of nowhere and end up you know make pet breaking out with the big league club. So uh, one other guy that I wanted to mention while we're at it with talking about prospects and this guy play, played in the big leagues last year. I guess he's not technically a prospect anymore, but he was a top five prospect in baseball. But uh, Joe Adele's had a pretty good spring so far. He's only had 12 plate appearances, but um, he's another guy walking more than he struck out, which is very, very, very important for him. A guy who his plate discipline's really been his downfall if he has any downfalls in his career, uh, but a 1.205 OPS. So um, hopefully Joe Adele showing some signs of uh, improvement, showing some adjustments. And, uh, you know, you'd love to see him break out with a big league club this year. As You know, as I mentioned before, you know, the Angels being in the situation they're in, division that's a little bit weak. Um, you got some really good pieces there. I mean, you talk about the, the best player in baseball and really not even that close and Mike Trout, and then, um, you know, a, probably a top 10 player in Anthony Rendon, you can, if you add some complimentary pieces to that, you know, you see some guys in the spring training that are doing pretty well, like Otani, you know, both, both ways has done pretty well. And then Joe Adele is able to put his potential together a little bit and uh, play like the guy we think he can be, uh, watch out for the angels a little bit. So uh, good stuff there. Yeah. And Joe Adele, it looks like he's been, um, 
you know, last year he had struck out when he got his little taste. It was only 26 at-bats. He had struck out 13 times and didn't have any walks. Um, so this year in spring training so far, he, it's only 12 at-bats, but he's already walked six times and struck out five. So, you know, it's it's good to see him that his his plate discipline and, and the walks has come back and that the strikeouts are probably going down a little bit. Um, so hopefully Joe Adele can be, I don't know if he'll be on the roster probably at the beginning of the year. Um, especially since they traded for Dexter Fowler, it looks kind of more like maybe a month or two in Joe Adele will be up, but he's, he's a guy who could be a real star playing in that outfield next to, next to Mike Trout. So hopefully he can, uh, he can work on those, the strikeout issues and, and get back to walking a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, um, you know, with some good stuff. And, and like I said last week, when you look at these stats at spring training, I mean, you got to take it for a grain of salt because you see some guys like, you know, like uh, Akil Badu and uh, Joe Adele having so many walks. And, you know, sometimes they might be also facing – it might just happen that in their 23, 15 plate appearances or whatever, they might be facing more guys who are a little bit wild you know, maybe prospects that they're facing later in games and stuff that are not throwing a lot of strikes. And, um, you know, you might see a little bit of, a little bit of that too, but, uh, definitely either way, great signs for both of those guys. And, uh, very interesting. We're, we're getting close. Yeah, we are. We're getting really, really close to having meaningful baseball back. Um, and you know, every day we keep seeing more about, uh, teams getting more approval for more fans and, and other teams are getting, you know, different little protocols they're going to throw in place and stuff. So hopefully it looks like, I think every team's so far confirmed that we're going to have fans in the stands for opening day um, on different various levels, of course, but it's, it's exciting that it's, like I said, a little over three weeks away from, from that April fool's day where we're going to have meaningful baseball. Yeah. And just a couple of months into the season, those, I think those numbers are going to start to increase. Um, you know, you, I've seen the last last couple of weeks, you know, obviously we talked about the Rangers are going to have full crowds. And uh, I know this week Atlanta announced they're going to have, I believe it was one third crowds um, at the games. And uh, I think the only team that's going to strictly limit their crowds so far has been Detroit. I think they were just going to have like a couple thousand fans at their games, but um, you know, I think that's a little bit re- too restrictive, but uh, not to get into any of that here, but um you know, we'll see. Um, you know, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Even in the spring training games where, you know, there's only a few hundred fans at these games, uh, maybe a few more than just a few hundred, but maybe a thousand, fifteen hundred fans at these games. It's better to hear some fans in the crowd than none. So, um, you know, it's a good it's a good thing. And uh, excitement's back, I think, this year a little bit. And, you know, there's a lot more uh, optimism about this coming into the season than, than there was last year. Last year, people were all worried about even playing the whole season. And this year, I think people are worried about who's going to be the teams to beat, who's going to be good. I think that's a really, really good thing, you know, compared to last year where it was kind of, are we even going to play? So, Yeah, I love the fans in the stands. I mean, I heard my uh, my first, the Houston Astros suck today by fans. <laughs> uh, or it was the Houston Astros sucks in our cheaters today during the Dodger game. Uh, Oh, so go. gotta love that. Um, hopefully we can have a, a full stadium when they come back to LA this year. So, um, but like you said, it's, it's especially the players, you can tell that they're showing a lot more emotion. Now they're, they're more invested, even in spring training, um, with these fans back there, they look like they're even 
locked in a little bit more now. I think I think a lot of the fans are or not a lot of fans. A lot of the players are starting to understand just how much the fans mean to the game. Or you know, oh, before a lot of people were just like, oh, da, 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 the fans are just here. It's a thing. You know, they'll mention the fans, but you don't go. You don't go a day where they don't have an interview of some player saying like, I'm so happy. Even if it's a hundred fans, like we're playing in front of people and that, that just energizes us. And, and even if we have to stand here, like they're like, we'll stand so far away. If we can just sit here and talk to you guys for a minute or two, you know? So I think, I think we're going to get a better product now on the field because the players are appreciating the fans so much more now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, to go on that point, I think it works both ways too, because I think there's a lot of fans who, you know, in the past have taken for granted, the ability to watch and, and not just in baseball, but watch any sports. I mean, I certainly, you know, I, I'm a, I grew up going to every single Auburn uh, football game, you know, my whole life. And, you know, this past year was the first time in 10 years that I'd missed any games and not being allowed to go to games. Cause I wasn't a student. I didn't have to take, I got, I got to go to one game, but uh, you know, it was very tough because, you know, it's one of those things where it's just appreciating what you got. And I think a lot of people take for granted the ability to, you know, to go watch these super great athletes play, play their sport, do their thing out there and do amazing things. So, uh, and, and the, and like you say, the players, obviously, I think they take for granted the fact that these, that the fans go out and they support them and they pull for them and they cheer for them and are fanatical over them. And uh, I think it works both ways. So that, that's a great, you know, great thing. I'm glad we're getting fans back, and uh, I can't wait till you know we get to see. I, I'm I, I'm pumped up for this year just because this October, I think we're gonna unless something changes, I think we're gonna see you know playoff baseball with full crowds and you know everything that was been that's made baseball great, the pennant chase and the in the playoffs. I think we're gonna see it later on this year, and you know that's just a little while away. I don't think we're gonna have another postseason where they're gonna have like five thousand fans at the World Series. So uh, I think I think we're gonna get a playoff type atmosphere throughout the season with fans. Yeah. Um. I, I expect that fans are gonna get in here, even at fifty percent, and that it's gonna sound like it's a hundred percent full. Um. For a random Wednesday game of the Orioles versus the Tigers or something like, yeah. okay, maybe that's a little too far, but, <laughs> but you know, I, I do think that we're going to, it's going to seem more, more of a, a playoff type atmosphere all year long because everybody's just going to be so excited to be back in the stadiums and stuff. So absolutely. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this week. We kind of went on a little ramble at the end here, but I think it's good to do that every once in a while. Um, next week, I think we're going to go over our NL um, previews, maybe some predictions about what we think. Um, and then in a couple weeks, probably the AL and, and maybe some awards predictions. So you guys be on the lookout for that. Um, and always feel free to hit us up on our Twitter at the Batfoot podcast, um, at the real D boy 12 for mine. And I believe you're at Matt Arcara. Yep. That is correct. Um, on Twitter and, and give us your guys' takes. We want to hear from you guys and know what you guys think. Um, but if you don't have anything else, I don't believe so. I hope everyone's uh, safe out there. I know uh, a lot of severe weather in the southeast uh, tomorrow. So uh, everyone who's listening in that area of the country, be, be real safe. So, Absolutely. Well, uh, that will wrap it up for us this week. Uh, it's been Matt and Damien, the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you very much.